You sure are. It is about that time once again to join us on the air. This show is so much better when you contribute. You can do so. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell is the number to call through. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If we get a chance for uh, for some emails a little later on. In the meantime, though, we're going to be talking to you. Feel free to call now. The lines are wide open. And including in the topics tonight, what you need to know about employment agreements. And if we have time, we'll get to the top misconceptions of termination. And that is all on the way here in just a bit. And we will cover and uh, go in a little more in depth in what is called the Pocket Employment Lawyer at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can go there anytime. Do it right now while we sit here and, and chat and talk with us in just a bit. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have employment questions, questions about uh, your job, calling for a friend. Maybe you were just let go or thinking, uh, you know, your spidey senses are going off. You might be on the choppy block or possibly you're an employer and you want to know how to do things correctly if you're in the wrong. Call us. That's what uh, that's what Dave Vaughn is here for tonight in the hot seat. So we'll get it going. Big fella. Week that was. You got a couple things. What's going on, pal? Yeah, the uh, first issue I wanted to talk about, John, is uh, you know one that seems to come up quite a bit. And uh, in this particular situation, a client of mine had about 11 years of service. And uh, 11 years in, uh, the company, which is a small company, introduced employment agreements uh, to their staff. And uh, there was no signing bonus or, or in pay increase or anything like that. It was just presented to the employees. They signed, or my client did anyways. Um, and uh, two years or so go by. The employer lets her go, okay? And yep. in the, in the uh, employment agreement, not surprisingly, which is probably why the employer introduced this employment agreement, there's a termination clause that limits her to the Employment Standards Act minimums, which in this case is actually only eight weeks of pay, so less than two months. And you know this, this employee with 13 years of service probably would have gotten about a year's worth of severance pay under common law. And this termination clause attempted to limit the termination pay, basically get rid of the common law and limit it just to eight weeks of termination pay. So it's a huge, huge difference and a huge yeah. um, you know, amount of severance that this employee um, you know, purported to give up. Now, the big problem the employer had, though, is that there was nothing given in exchange for this signing this employment agreement. Like I said, there was no signing bonus. There was no pay increase. Uh, there was no promotion. It was just, here, sign this. And, you know, the employee didn't know any better and, and signed it. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the big issue there is, is consideration. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about that quite a bit is that, um, you know, it's uh, an employment agreement is going to be unenforceable if it's introduced after the employment relationship starts unless there's some type of consideration given for it, such as a bonus or a raise. Um, in terms of the lessons here, if you're an employee, uh, even though you know in this particular situation we were able to get out of the uh, get out of the situation in terms of right. uh, arguing that the the clause was unenforceable because of a lack of consideration, uh, you got to be careful when you're signing something, especially if you've been employed somewhere. Um, you know, if you're already employed somewhere and you're not. You know, it doesn't really make sense. Why? Why would I be signing this? Um, right. I'm not. It's not a new position. It's not a raise. It's, I'm not getting a bonus. So, um, you know, I, you have to be really careful before you sign something. If you're, especially if you're already employed, um, from the employer side of it. It's important before employees start to actually have them sign an employment agreement with you know those types of clauses in it, and that way they know exactly what they're getting into before starting, sure. and um, and it's going to be enforceable because it's signed. You know the consideration in that case is the job that the, that you're offering the individual. Um, if you do want to introduce a, an employment agreement after the person commences employment, there needs to be something in exchange given to them. So there needs to be some type of a bonus or pay increase or something something of value. 
416-870-6400, star 640. As you know, just use 416-870-6400. That's the way uh, we roll on the show. And want to remind you, we get to one more of your week that was, brother, in just a sec here. But always, always, top priority goes to our good listenership. And Connor, thanks for hanging on for a couple minutes. How are you? Hey, Connor. Connor's still there. No, we have no Connor. Okay, we'll see if we get Connor back. Uh, brother, tell me uh, tell me what's Hello. going on in your second week. Oh, there he is. Connor. Sorry. Yes, I was on Good. mute. My bad. All right. I thought you were trapped you under something heavy. Good, pal. What's going on? Uh, not too much. I have a question about yep. um, uh, you. I work for a U.S. company, okay? Mm. And we are uh, U.S. subcontractors under our original contract, okay? Now, our U.S. company is looking to make us employees by contract, okay? And they they already sell products in Canada, and we're wondering if we already are employees or if we should sign this future contract. Hmm. Do you work in, in Ontario? Yes. So you perform your job in Ontario? Yes. Do, do you work from home or do you work from their office? From home. From home. Is it your only job? Yes. Only source of income. Uh, how do you get your work uh, direction? Like, so how do you get your what you do that day or week or month? Um, does does someone from someone from the company tell you you know what to do in terms of your job? Like, how do you get your how do you know what to do? We we direct we interact directly with the clients that our company has signed, oh. which happen to be Canadian clients. Okay. Okay. And they pretty much tell us what we need to do, I guess you could say. But we still have to attend meetings and things with the company, and we have to enter time. Okay, so you're, yeah, okay. So it sounds like you're probably already employees. Yeah. As of now, and if you're operating in Ontario, you're you'd be. It doesn't matter what it, you know what the contract says. If you're operating in Ontario, you're working in Ontario, you live in Ontario, um, you would be you know an Ontario-based employee. Uh, so before signing this document, uh, because I, I assume you know what happened is they probably got some legal advice saying that they need to get things every, everything in order and get some, you know to sign some yeah. contracts. Um, yeah. Definitely have that. Rev- give us a call and we can review it and go through the contract with you because you know like I said you know when you when an employer introduces a contract during the employment relationship, there's probably a benefit to them um, and, it, and mm-hmm. it likely takes away some rights on your end. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Sounds Thank good. You. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Uh, the number to get in touch, by the way, simple. It is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Now, regardless of what he signs, Connor and um, his colleagues will still be bound and under uh, Canadian slash provincial uh, work laws here, employment laws. Nothing to do with the American, right? Yeah, if you're working in Ontario, you live in Ontario, it's very clear that you'd be in Ontario, um, you know, considered governed by Ontario law. Uh, it could be federal, it could be provincial, but you would be considered an Ontario-based employee. Um, it sounds like what's happening here is they're currently considered contractors for yeah. an American company, and the Amer- the company is now trying to make them employees. Uh, they're probably already employees, uh, and they probably are you know, Ontario-based employees. So uh, before assigning that, uh, definitely would highly recommend all these individuals have it reviewed because uh, it, it could contain, uh, you know, I mean, the biggest thing to look out for is termination clauses yep. and clauses limiting, um, you know, commissions, bonuses, things like that in the event of termination. 
That's why you make that phone call, man. So important. Uh, things could change for you within a matter of seconds, literally. Uh, 416-870-6400 is the way to go. Okay, your second uh, second matter for the week that was. We'll go back to that, pal. What's going on? Yeah, another one I want to talk about is I've actually, it's more of just a general uh, issue I've had come up you know, over the last uh, several years. And, um, you know, I think uh, it kind of stems from the whole inducement uh, idea that we talk about on the show, yep. which is, you know, you're, you're working at one, one company. Um, you know, you have a secure job. You've been there for several years. Another company comes in and, and recruits you and basically convinces you to leave that secure job and join them. And then soon after, um, and it's usually, it's always relative to how long you had been at the previous company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's say, you know, you're at the previous company for five years and then, you know, eight months after joining the new company, they let you go. Well, then, you know, there's an argument to be made that you, you know, you should get credit for some of that, you know, that, that previous service with the other company, uh, that they've induced you, they've, you know, convinced you to come over to them, um, you know, on the basis of, you know, you're going to have a secure job here, you should, you know, you should feel safe to leave your other job. Uh, and then, you know, they don't follow through with that and they let you go quickly. One of the biggest, you know, that's a very, you know, it can be a very compelling case, uh, especially, you know, anyone, uh, you know, if it's a judge or arbitrator or mediator is going to look at that and say, you know, it just seems unfair that the person left a, a good, secure job and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, they, they get fired uh, very quickly. The one issue that you have to be careful about if you're going to try to make that allegation is the termination clause. Because okay. if the employer, if you're, so you're at, a, you know, you're, you're being recruited and whatnot, but then they show you an employment agreement, and if it has a termination clause in it, and it's a sound termination clause, it's enforceable, well, there's no, it doesn't really matter what happened you know, in terms of the recruitment process, you're not going to get credit for that previous service because right. I see a lot of people that say, you know, they, they start talking about inducement and all that. And then I look at their employment agreement and there's, you know, there'll be a clause saying that the employer doesn't recognize any previous service. Uh, it'll, there'll be a clause that limits you to the Employment Standards Act. There'll be a probationary clause saying they can let you go, you know, within three months and not give you anything. And all those clauses are going to take away any type of inducement argument you're going to make. So if you are going to jump over and, and switch jobs, uh, you, you know, and you have that, especially if you have that leverage of, you know, I have a good job already, um, make sure you can negotiate that in terms of getting rid of those clauses or including like a a nice formula, at least recognizing some of your previous service. And that's the thing that people shouldn't be afraid of, especially in the case of an inducement is, you know, they're coming to you, they want you. So you have a bit of bargaining power when it comes to some of those, you know, unfavorable things that could potentially be in that employment agreement, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it's different than a situation if you're unemployed and you're, you're just, you know, sending out resumes and, you know, after months, all of a sudden someone contacts you. Well, you, I mean, you want yeah. the job, right? So you just don't have the same type of bargaining power. But if you're employed already, uh, I mean, I would be very hesitant to leave it, you know, a secure, you know, job um, mm-hmm. that you like uh, just to and and go over some you know to another company without those types of assurances and the other thing I, I find that people will say is yeah but you know they they told me that they you know it would be a, a long-term deal yeah. but it you know what matters is what's in writing um, and, yeah. and you always have to fall back on that contract so before you sign that make sure it's um, you know, it, it's not taking away your rights, and, and it does recognize that previous service. Yeah, they may be hiring you with the best intentions, but you obviously haven't looked at the divorce rates in this country lately. It yeah. starts with the, the best intentions. Yeah, right. uh, look, man, Pocket Employment Lawyer, if you've never been there, uh, slide on over pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It'll deal with all kinds of things, including, you'll remember, the uh, the famed severance pay calculator. It's right at the top of the uh, uh, the uh, pocket employment lawyer. It'll tell you about if it's termination for cause, if you're an independent contractor, constructive dismissal. It goes on and on. A wicked tool. Check it out. And uh, we'll get back to the phone calls. you got time now to call in and line them up. 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. 
It is uh, 7.20. Plenty of time for you to uh, to call in, ask your questions. Dave is here taking those questions and answering them. 416-870-6400. You have uh, problems with your job, just something you want to know about your employment, or if you're an employer, bring it on as well. We'd love to talk to you for the uh, remainder of the time here. It is a better radio show when the uh, good listenership and their uh, large minds get involved and ask the, uh, the right questions here. In the meantime, we're talking about some other stuff, and we'll continue on uh, with this one, brother. That is what you need to know about employment agreements. Well, we, uh, we got uh, fairly deep into it with the week that was, but just to, uh, to double back and talk about it a little more, why are they so important? Yeah, the um, you know I've noticed uh, over the last several years, employment agreements are, are you know, becoming more and more common. Yep. Um, you know, I would say it's very rare that I, 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 t- I speak to someone who's been hired in the last 10 years that does not have an employment agreement, whereas, you know, people who have, uh, you know, started their jobs 20, 30 years ago, I find it actually rare that they do have one. So um, it's a huge shift. Um, So given that, it is important really to understand the whole you know how the the purpose of them and and how yep. they can be used to you know help you and uh, whether you're an employer or an employee. So um, why are employment agreements so important? Um, yeah, you know I I think you can take this from two different perspectives from the employer um, that they're crucial to have in place um, just to understand you know, basically to set the expectations for the employee uh, and basically set the ground rules of the relationship. So everything from the you know the the position the reporting structure. The, uh, the the compensation, um, you know, all that, all that's all very basic stuff. The you know the, the work schedule, um, and uh, and stuff like that. But then there's more uh, you know more nuanced uh, items that need to be included, such as we were talking about a termination clause. So if you're an employer, and you hire someone, and you don't want to be subject to uh, you know kind of an unknown um, you know severance liability, um, which increases as the person's employment uh, carries on, you should have a termination clause. And that termination clause would set out exactly what the employee gets upon termination. And you know you can have one that limits it to the Employment Standards Act, so it basically gets rid of common law and just lim- just limits it to the statute. Or you can have some type of a formula that the employee gets. That uh, and if you're an employer that's trying to you know recruit, um, you know you probably you know higher uh, higher end talent or you know try to get the best staff you can. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's a that's a nice uh, nice item to offer is a, kind of an enhanced severance package. So it could be you know a month per year of service or something like that. But at least put your mind to it and have it in the employment agreement so you know exactly what you owe the individual if you do decide to let them go. Uh, at the end of the day, employment agreements, the employment agreement will govern if it's introduced properly, so right. if it's signed with consideration. So, um, you know, both as an employer and employee, you should know exactly what's in it. Questions about this moving forward uh, here on the air, 416-870-6400. Bring them on. we got open lines. You want to talk to Dave after the show, that is uh, simple as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address. And the, stay, uh, the number to catch, uh, catch Dave any other time, one 821 talking why uh, the employment agreements are so important. So based on the fact that over the last 10 years it's become uh, more and more commonplace, in fact regular, for employers to, uh, to slide over an employment agreement before they start employment. What would be better in your opinion? Now, this is probably counter, not for our regular listeners, they know this already, but for people that are just joining us, what's actually better, a handshake dealer or a big fat 10-page war and peace document? Yeah, for an employee, a handshake deal is always going to be the best uh, best mm-hmm. deal, and uh, the, because that's because you know upon everything is basically just implied, and, and one of those important um, you know, implied terms of an unwritten employment agreement is that you get common law termination and severance pay. 
Uh, and you know, usually if there's a written employment agreement, there is you know the employer has inserted something that limits the empl- the, the, the termination entitlement. So when it comes to termination and severance for an employee, it's definitely better to have a handshake deal. And I I sometimes right. speak to employees who kind of think it's the opposite. They say, well, you know, they they basically say, uh, yeah, yeah, there, you know, there was an employment agreement, so there's something written, and that's usually not a good thing, um, or at least it's going to cause a, a bit more a uh, bit more problems um, than if there was just a handshake deal. On the other hand, if you're an employer, it's absolutely better to have uh, a written employment agreement uh, in everything that you deal with. Um, you're going to be able to uh, you know set the uh, set the standards and set the rules right off the bat, and that, that basically governs your entire relationship with your employees. So if you are an employer, uh, it's definitely best practice to to introduce employment agreements uh, prior to the employment relationship starting. Um, and on the other hand, if you're an employee, um, you know if you, if you don't have to sign one, that's obviously the, the you know ideal. And uh, definitely be wary if an employer is trying to introduce it uh, during the employment relationship. I guess the best the, the base baseline way to look at it would be as an employer, you have to contract yourself out of common law, whereas an employee, you are covered under common law unless you are contracted out of it. It doesn't come as something of a contract, right? You've already got the common law. You can't yeah. lose more. You can lose more by getting a contract. If you don't have a contract, you're, you know, your wagon's full, right? Yeah, that's right. And I've even right. had employees tell me, oh, I, I kept asking for a, a contract and they wouldn't give me one. <laughs> No, and you know the employer should have jumped all over that and said, "Yeah, sure, I'll have you sign something." And the employee shouldn't have been keep, you know, keep keep hounding the employer on that. So, no kidding. Um, yeah, I've I've had that uh, comment a couple of times, and uh, you know they're just lucky that they weren't that one wasn't introduced. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred to call in. Get to uh, Jason. Jason, thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you this evening? Not bad. How are you doing? Good, Pally. What uh, what's on your mind? So I'll try and make it brief. Um, I was a um, contract employee for about 10 years. Um, and the company I worked for realized that they were doing something wrong by having me on contract, but I was Canadian sales manager, um, sole source income, you know, everything that would tick the boxes of, of an employee. So they gave me a con, they, they gave me um, an offer to be converted to an employee. And at the time, the document they gave me had no severance. So if I had signed it the next day, they could have fired me with no severance. So I um, negotiated with the, where I spoke to the HR person, they put in a clause that said they would give me a minimum of five months um, for the 10 years that I worked. And everything else would be, um, you know, gravy going forward. So, you know, fast forward five more years, and now they want to terminate me. And they say, no, 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 that five years was just a guarantee to cover the, the, this five. It had nothing to do with the original employment. And so now, instead of having um, 15 months, I have five months. So... My question is, how do you know what kind of recourse do I have to the person who negotiated with me, told me what it was going to be, to the people who have interpreted it differently? Right. Well, I mean, I'd I'd have to look at the contract just to really interpret the clause, and I'm I'm very interested in doing that. So um, after the uh, show or tomorrow, if you could give us a call, that'd be great. Um, But. You know, an employment agreement that's drafted by the employer, if there's ambiguities about it, any of the clauses, it's going to be resolved in favor of the employee because, you know, you didn't draft it, right? They introduced it. It's their contract. Uh, so to the extent that the clause could be read as either counting your full service or not counting your full service, 
uh, it would definitely go towards counting your full service. So you would get credit for all those years. So, you know, like you say, it should be more 15 months as opposed to, uh, to, to five. Now, the other issue will be whether they actually, I mean, if it was only supposed to impact those first, oh, so I guess you're, they're saying it's, it's from that f- point on is when it started to, to operate, and that's why it's five months. Correct. Because you have 10 years of service now as an employee? Well, uh, so this was 2005 to now. So technically, I have 15 years of service, but the first 10 were as a what they called a contractor. God, is that even possible? Canadian sales manager, sole source. I wasn't really a contractor. Right. That's how they. It was a a split Canadian American company. And okay, so there's two different uh, possible entitlements here or sources of your entitlement. The one would be common law. Um, so if this contract isn't you know, properly introduced or if um, the contract, the, sorry, the termination provision isn't well drafted, then it's not enforceable and you'd, be a co- you'd get common law severance pay, um, which you know, would, it sounds like, cover full, your full service. Okay. The second way, second source of entitlement would be if the contract is enforceable and the termination provision is enforceable, well, then determining what the formula actually means. And uh, that would come down to just looking at the language. And if there's an argument could be made that, you know, it's unclear or, you know, it suggests that maybe you do get credit for your your, your full service, then you you would get that as the employee, get the benefit of the doubt there. So either way, uh, I think there's a very good chance that you would be entitled to more than five months uh, and probably closer to you know, that, that, that 15, 16 month, uh, range. So, uh, but I, I do need to review the contract, um, and discuss the uh, situation a bit more uh, detail with you. So if you could give us a call, that'd be great. Cause I'd be happy to do that. Could I quick follow up? Yeah. So you bet. If the person that I negotiated it with agrees to, with me that it was supposed to be five months covering the initial 10 years, the initial 10 years, but she's left the company and moved back to Australia. Um, but she's willing to sort of, you know, uh, argue on my perspective that, you know, the company isn't, um, you know, um, negotiating in good faith, that that was what the original intent was. Is there any value in that? There absolutely is. If you can, you know, if you email her and just ask what her interpretation of the contract was or, you know, ask those questions, uh, that could absolutely, you know, what her uh, view on the, the formula was, that could absolutely help. Um, now, it would probably be helpful if you did it kind of as a, uh, without understanding the entire context. Um, well, just, I've, I've already done it and she agrees with me. Okay, that's great. The problem so th- was th- that's that helpful. she was relying on them for a reference and didn't want to say anything in the short term, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, the, the, I mean, the short answer is yes, that would be helpful, but it's not necessary. So, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it if for some reason she doesn't want to get involved uh, at this time, because like I said, um, you know, you have, you're going to have that evidence that that was your understanding. And if there's any type of um, you know, ambiguity regarding the contract or the clause, then it, you know, it's going to be resolved in your favor. So. Yeah, the, the other one other thing is that they actually changed significantly the language from the initial offer to the, hmm. to the eventual one. And that's where, you know, the, 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 the difference in this came from because they originally changed it and didn't tell me about it. But it's on me for signing it. So, all righty. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call and your time. If you'd like to reach out further, I'm sure you would talk to uh, talk to Dave early or, for that matter, one eight five five eight five five. 
821-5900 would be that number. You can also send along an email. That is uh, that is good as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Your call is 416-870-6400, and we are taking more of them here. Give that uh, number a call. Give it a try. Get some questions with the remaining time here. On this, the Monday night uh, edition of the Employment Law Show, uh, what you need to know about employment agreements. What should they watch out for? Give me a, give me your hot five of things an employee or at least a potential employee, I guess, or even an employee that's in midstream employment should be looking out for with that agreement. Yeah, I think uh, based on the calls, based on what we've uh, discussed in terms of the scenarios I've dealt with, uh, termination provision obviously is right off yeah. the bat the most important. Um, I'm not going to get into that anymore. We've we've covered that. It's 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 no. crucial to understand that um, and make sure that uh, you're not agreeing to um, you know something that you're you know not prepared to accept if you are let go. Um, make, you know, watch out for clauses limiting you limiting you to the Employment Standards Act. Uh, so I'd be, that's the big one. Uh, yeah. A second uh, second type of clause to to look out for is uh, especially if you're in, you know if you have some type of uh, commission or bonus plan as part of your compensation is on termination. Do they have to pay you your accrued bonus your or right. and your, pay you your full compensation for the duration of the notice period? Right. Because the Employment Standard Act generally will just deal with base salary um, and uh, and won't deal with with bonuses. So you could be in a situation where bonuses are a huge part of your compensation, and they let you go, and uh, you know you you lose your accrued bonus. Maybe you work for eleven months in the year, and they let you go, and uh, you don't get that. Nor do you get it moving forward during the uh, during the the notice period that's been agreed to. So uh, that's that's definitely something I see come up a lot, and yeah. uh, it, it goes to same with car allowance, RSP contributions, all that stuff. Look out for that. Um, the other one, I'd say three, would be restrictive covenants. So anything that's going to limit your ability to get a job after you've been let go. Uh, you know, non-solicits are usually, you know, depending on, the, obviously there's exceptions, but usually it's not a big deal to agree not to go after an, uh, your, your employer's employees or their, their, their you know, customers. But they're more enforceable than, say, a non-compete. Right? They are, yeah. But the, the, what no. you have to really be careful about is signing a non-compete because... No. And like you say, I mean, there's a lot of the times we can, you know, there's, you can challenge these and, you know, there's a kind of a fairness that comes into it, but um, you should still be, you know, careful before signing a non-compete, anything that's going to restrict your ability to get a job. Um, Because, you know, and the other thing I always say to tell people is why would you agree to not compete with a company if their severance is limited? So if they're gonna if they're gonna pay you for a year, sure, I won't compete with you. But right. I, I assume that's not gonna happen. So, um, you know that that's uh, something to be be look out for for sure. Because you, I, I mean, obviously you have to you want to be concerned about your actual job. But if you do get let go, you need to be able to. Uh, most people have to you know be able to quickly move to another position. So yep. make sure you haven't agreed to something that limits your ability to do that. It's funny, and I think you've mentioned this before, basically whether how sticky it's going to be or not in the future for you guys to undo if it ever came to that point. Basically, if you if you sign it, you got to live by it, whether it's enforceable or not. Just don't sign it if you don't agree to it. Negotiate it out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to go under, you know, operate under the assumption that it, it is going to yep. be enforceable. It's the safe way to do it. Now, um, I, I would never tell someone, oh, you should sign this because, you know, you can get out of it maybe. Uh, yeah. so that's a terrible way uh, to, to exactly. look at something. Um, you should probably, you know, be prepared to say that, you know, if I'm signing this, I'm agreeing to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's definitely, uh, you don't want to uh, get a job that, that limits your ability to work after. Um, and, you know, certain pe- certain jobs, certain people have to be more careful. If you're, you know, a sales job and you have jumped around quite a bit, even a non-solicit may harm your ability to find a new yeah. job, right? Um, you may have to go after customers that maybe you uh, you dealt with when you yeah. worked uh, worked there, so... Or if it's a fiduciary position, you've got a high-end position. There's not that many of them around, right? You've got to be careful of that, right? Right. 
Yeah. 416-870-6400 is the number. Billy, thanks for uh, standing by. Good evening, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Tell what's your concern. So just uh, some of my coworkers are getting what's called, I guess they're saying it's a layoff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're told that the company doesn't have much work left for us. So not sure what they should do. Um, I asked if what's going on with them, if they're just going to not have any work, if they can go to another location or something like that. And um, they're getting offered moving to a different shift. Like they're working um, like seven to seven. They'll be working uh, at nighttime instead of during the daytime, or they can choose to move to another location. It's a few miles down the road. Uh, I'm not really sure what they should do. Good call. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on all you know the, the individual circumstances. So, are people actually being permanently laid off, or is it considered temporary layoff? So, I asked one person, and they said, um, so they asked the, the HR, so is after two months I can come back to work, or what's going on? They said, no, there's no more after this. Okay, so that's just, uh, I mean, they, the company or the individuals may use the term layoff, but at the end of the day, that's a termination. Uh, yeah. And that and that, that's actually true, whether or not it, the company's intention is permanent or, or, or temporary. Um, the employee, even if it's a temporary layoff, or that's told you by the employer, uh, the employee has the you know the right to treat that as a, a termination, uh, unless you know they've been laid off in the past, they've accepted that it's part of the job, or they've agreed to it in a contract. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they are being laid off, uh, they should, uh, you know, check out the severance calculator, the pocket uh, employment uh, lawyer, and uh, see what their severance entitlements are. Um, if they're being, you know, they're making changes to their job and, they, you know, the company says, um, you know, you, you can stay here, but, you know, you have to move down the road, you have to do a new schedule. I mean, obviously, if that's if that's something they want to do, um, you know, they, they, they could do that if that's, you know, they want to keep their job, but they, they should be careful because they're, they're basically agreeing that the employer is allowed to start making these changes. Um, yeah. So it could happen in the future and it could become permanent so they could tell you oh it's only going to happen for a bit you know um but uh you know eventually it'll become kind of your your job so um you won't be able to get out of it so i always just tell people to be careful before you agree to changes to your job okay Uh, i i moved down the road probably wouldn't be an issue it's just a couple miles down the road um you know that that's not like really an unreasonable uh distance um, but you know, I, I changed the work schedule, especially like you know nights, to days, days to nights. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's 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 a fundamental that's change, right? So, okay, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate that. You want to follow up? Uh, you might want to, or some of your coworkers, please tell them to call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, you know, something like that. Billy's situation illustrates it perfectly. That when this stuff goes down, and they say, first of all, it's going to be a layoff. It's a termination, as you as you called it right away. But there may be people that uh, you know, if it's more than a few miles, if it's someone who doesn't drive and they got to take a second or third bus now because of that, they think, okay, you know what? I, I like the guys I'm with, or you know, we're all chums. I've been at this place for a long time. I really don't want to leave. I don't want to claim severance on a termination here. Can I go to the employer and say, man, I'll take it for a spin for a couple months, see how it works out for me. If not, I'm not signing nothing. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. You can give it a shot, and you just want to make that clear and uh, preferably right. in writing. Um, you know, I, I've had uh, situations. A lot of situations where I, I speak to people and, and you know they've been placed on a temporary layoff, um, just like Billy's situation here. And uh, I say, you know, what's your objective here? And they say, I want my job back, right? Like I, I don't want the severance pay. I actually right. I, I want a job. Uh, it's a, you know a good company. That I like the work. And um, you can actually we can reach out to the employer and actually try to you know hmm. basically you know put them on notice that you're not accepting the temporary a temporary layoff. And in a lot of those cases, the employer does uh, seem to find work for them because they don't want to yeah. have to pay the severance.
Still got a few minutes to go here. If you want to slide in a call, please do 416-870-6400 to get a hold of Dave here. Get uh, get on the road to some questions answered anyway. In the meantime, what you need to know about employment agreements, they are bigger and broader and uh, more widespread now than ever before in the in the workplace. Uh, John, can, just yeah. one, one uh, thing. We were, we were yep. doing our um, our top five, right? I think we got yeah. through okay. three, okay. and I, I hadn't thought about two others, but um, luckily after these that call from uh, Billy, I think... Think there are yeah roll yeah two two we can discuss um, one would be and I've seen this more and more uh, recently is a clause in the contract that allows for temporary layoffs so older contracts I never used to see that but I've started to see those more and more often so the employer will like, similar to an ESA termination clause the employer will have a clause that says we can put you on a on a layoff subject to the Employment Standards Act so um, you know that'd be 13 weeks if no benefits are continued and up to 35 weeks if they are so right. that's a huge um, you know something that you're giving away there is basically that you're agreeing that the, the employer can say you know what for a period of three months or um, you know almost eight months yeah. uh, eight or nine months um, we don't have to you know give you work and pay you and it's not a termination. Um, so it's not a constructive dismissal or anything like that. So um, that's definitely something uh, something to be uh, you know, worried about if, if you're signing an employment agreement. And can they be negotiated? That would be one of the things that I was just about to ask. Can they be negotiated? Something like that could be, I would imagine, if you're at least in favor of not having that in your agreement. Yeah, I mean, anything can be negotiated. And like we've discussed on the show, um, you know, especially tonight, is um, it all depend on your leverage. Like, do you, you know, are you coming over right. from a different uh, company or are you already employed there? Because if you're already employed, well, you don't have to sign anything, right, to keep your job. So, um, yeah, all these types of clauses can and should be negotiated. And I appreciate that if you're, you know, you really want the job you a lot of people are just going to sign what they have to sign and um you know that that's the reality of it but um at least you'll understand uh, what you're getting into and another another one to be worried about um that uh, came from uh, billy's question is uh, a clause allowing the company to change your hours or your work location i see that more and more these days um, so just you'll have a clause that says you agree that you know the company can make changes to your work schedule your place of work um, things like that so uh, something to be careful about if you're an employee and the scary thing is when people hear that, they might think it might only happen one time. But if you allow it to happen one time, it can keep going and going and going and going. Yeah, it could be an endless, endless cycle. Yeah. So now you've uh, you've signed an employment agreement. You've heard the show. Didn't get advice. Oops, should have. Now what? Yeah, so um, you know if you've uh, if you've signed the employment agreement and uh, you know you're, you're working there, there's really not a lot you can do uh, at that point. But if you are let go, um, you know don't. And they let go, and a lot of the time the um, the company will mention it in the termination line. They say, you know, pursuant to this clause in your employment agreement, you're only entitled to eight weeks termination pay. And um, you know that may be true, but it may uh, may not be true. There may be ways around that con that contract or the termination provision, like we discussed. Maybe it wasn't introduced with proper consideration. Uh, maybe there's actually flaws in the language that's used. Maybe it's ambiguous, so it's not clear yeah. what 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 the entitlement is. So uh, even if you signed a contract and uh, your employer tells you, nope, that you know we're just following that, we're not going to give you anything else. Still give us a call because a lot of the time mm-hmm. you are going to have entitlements that uh, that are beyond that contract or what that contract inten- attempts to limit you to. Said uh, several times during the show, we do each week and every show here uh, during the week that a good way to uh, reach out, uh, in, in, including the phone numbers. Also, email help at employmentlawyer.ca. I got one from Pervinder came through tonight. He says, uh, Dave, I was put on a performance improvement plan four months ago. Last week, my employer told me that I didn't improve enough and I was let go without severance. What can I do? 
Yeah, that's a, uh, you know, I see this come up a lot, and uh, I find it pretty uh, pretty common that if someone's put on a performance improvement plan, it eventually results in a termination. Yeah. Um, so, you know, four months doesn't seem like a long time. Uh, it will depend on the nature of the job. If you know, is it sales? Is it performance based in terms of actual numbers? Because that can be that can take months to improve, right? Um, you know, did the performance improvement action uh, plan actually you know provide concrete ways that this individual uh, provider could actually um, right. you know um, Im- improve their performance and uh, you know was help given was assistance given all that type of stuff will go to uh, go to whether there's cause and I can tell you that even though um, you know there's a performance improvement plan which is the right thing for the employer to do it's extremely hard to an employer to, for an employer to establish cause for termination so uh, regardless of that um, if, if he was let go he should give us a call because you know there's a very good chance we can get a still get a severance package for him. Provender, appreciate it. Going to wrap it up for now. You want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. Always go to help at employmentlawyer.ca through email. We'll be back Wednesday night. The weekend shows on 640 uh, Global News Radio and also the weekend TV show, Employment Law Show on Global and CTV as well. Do not go anywhere. On Point returns with Alex Pearson right here on Global News Radio.